previously on Good Sex, Bad Sex. I'm Miranda Kane. And I'm Bibi Lynch. And we'll see you next week. No, wait, no, I'm on the wrong... (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to Good Sex, Bad Sex, a podcast from metro.co.uk. It's a bit like pancake day, but with a lot more tossing. My name is Bibi Lynn. <laughs> and I'm Miranda Kane. Coming up, we're chatting to someone about a campaign that's hoping to keep all women safe. My name's Nikki Adams. I'm a spokeswoman for the English Collective of Prostitutes, and I'm here to talk about our new campaign for decriminalisation, Make All Women Safe. Bibi. Yes. What do I always bang on about? Peanuts. Oh, that's very true. <laughs> what What do I always bang on about after mm. peanuts? Sex worker rights. Yay! Are you going to talk more about it today? Uh, well, I've actually got someone who's a bit better at it than I am. No way. Well, she's a lot better at it. No, I won't have this. <laughs> Who is she? Please welcome Nikki Adams. The campaign's called Make All Women Safe Mm -hmm. and it comprises of, it's got a film which is about a minute and a something long, which is like an advert. It uh, deals with the issue of sex workers not being able to work together, which is a ridiculous injustice. The laws kind of put us much more at risk because we can't work with a mate, we can't work with a friend from Mm. premises. And even on the street, if you work close to somebody else, you draw attention to yourself from the police. So the campaign is uh, has a film that kind of very cleverly highlights that injustice of the laws and then it's a petition to the government calling on the government to implement the Home Affairs Committee recommendation to decriminalise sex workers on the street and working together from premises. And we're aiming between now and August to hopefully get at least 100,000 signatories on the petition and force the government to actually debate it on our terms. I'm going to be asking the stupid questions yes. because I, I, I know less I have this. I have warned Nick. Oh, how did you? Yeah. Did you? Yeah. She, she didn't say you're going to ask the stupid no. questions, by the way. <laughs> did, she, did you tell Nikki about my hair? No, I didn't. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry. Why wouldn't they allow sex workers to work together because that just what why what's their what's their what's point? the logic well i mean it's particularly ridiculous and outrageous and unjust considering that actually exchanging sex for money is not illegal so being a sex worker is not illegal so it's but just two if of you, you and me yeah. get together in a flat then yeah. that makes it illegal and it makes it a brothel and then we can be charged with brothel keeping we can even be charged with controlling each other <gasps> i've heard of a couple of cases like that and the sentence is really heavy it's like up to seven years in prison, maximum sentence for that charge. Would they let you share a cell? Or would you? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> would that kick Unless off again? Really seriously overcrowded, of course. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, the original kind of logic, or so a logic is a very loose word yeah. in this context, um, for the law is that it was to stop people exploiting sex workers. So the definition of brothel keeping is, you know, there's a kind of a very loose uh, definition of some kind of control and some kind of profiting, which is another grievance that we have because we're kind of saying, look, if you're concerned about exploitation, then have a charge that targets exploitation Mm. or force or coercion, Mm. which brothel keeping doesn't. Mm. Brothel keeping, they charge you for that offence just for having a key to the premises, helping somebody with their website... 
Um, you know, maybe having a text on your phone that says something like, okay, if you do Thursday, I'll do Tuesday. That kind of evidence is actually what's used to convict people of brothel keeping. And most of the convictions for brothel keeping are of women working together. It's very, it's much less likely to be some kind of big boss that's actually making money off of women. And they must be working together for safety. Yes. It's much, much safer to work together. It's much safer to work from premises than from on the street, although some women do prefer working on the street because you don't have to pay out loads in overheads and have a whole kind of structure of kind of organisation. But it's much safer inside and it's much, much safer to be inside together. And we have a lot of women in our network who have worked on their own, been attacked, like one woman just, you know, quite recently worked on her own, was attacked, vowed she would never work again alone, worked together with a friend, and immediately between within like a few weeks got prosecuted for brothel keeping. No. So who's snitching? Who's who's snitching? Who, how do they find us? Yeah. Is that what you mean? Well, actually, that is a very good question because since the whole anti-trafficking sensationalised reporting, which is largely based on completely misinformation and lies, mm. but they've put forward this idea that the majority of sex workers are trafficked and the police use that as an excuse to kind of rampage through brothels, frankly. And they do loads and loads and loads of raids now. So when I started out in the ECP many years ago, we would get maybe like one or two brothel keeping cases every six months, something like that. Now they are raiding premises at, you know, five. I mean, we hear about five or six a week, that kind of thing. And the reason I think for that is that those raids are fueled by two things. One is the anti-trafficking money that they get, the police get from the European Union and various other sources. And so they want to be look, they want to look like they're spending it. That's one thing. And the second is proceeds of crime legislation. And under proceeds of crime legislation, they if they uh, arrest you and charge you, they can seize and confiscate not just your earnings, but your savings, any money you've put aside for your kids. They can take your house, they can take your car, they can take your jewellery. It's draconian beyond belief and the burden of proof is reversed so you they don't have to prove that all that you have came from prostitution but it's fine as universal credit and that's going yeah. so well <laughs> you just get involved with is, it, is any of this news to you this the whole the proceeds of crime yeah. came in in 2002 and they of course they promoted it like okay we're going to go after drug users or drug dealers you know that kind of thing there were all these ads on the radio saying you know your money's not safe and who it's been used mostly against is small scale confiscation orders many of them against women working in prostitution and it's so unfair I mean we've had you know women who just worked as a maid in a place she wasn't even working herself you know 70 years old gets prosecuted for brothel keeping and then they come after her house which is the only thing she owns in her in the world you know, and literally the jewellery is actually an example that they took this woman's jewellery. I mean, it wasn't even a big stash, you know what I mean? It's like really wild. But the universal credit is really important too because... Oh, is it? <laughs> well, it is really a big issue because there has been a massive increase in prostitution, because particularly so among mothers. Yeah. I mean, it's massively so among mothers. I mean, we get so many women saying either that they're going back into prostitution having given up yeah. or that they're starting. And like, you know, one woman in our network was calling me the other day. She works as a stripper. She had a reasonable arrangement, single mum. 
uh, working as a stripper, had some shifts at the weekend, fitted in with childcare and the rest. She's about to be moved over to Universal Credit. Her income is going to drop by a third, and she's trying to pick up more shifts in the club, but she's worried that if people see her and she's, you know, more exposed like that, they'll mm. come after her kids. Social services will come after her kids. And that is a dilemma that a lot of women are in. And yeah. we just did this piece of research that looked at sex work compared to other women's work. And when I looked at how low pay, you know, other jobs are and the terrible working conditions in many jobs, you kind of think it's not a question of why women go into sex work. It's like, why do more women not go into yeah. sex work? Because how can you survive as a single mum doing some other kind of job? I don't know how people do it. Mm. I don't know how they manage to earn enough to pay for childcare. Yeah. Why, why are people persecuting sex workers? Why? why well, no, I, no, I'm just, oh, I'm intrigued. Yeah. I'm like, why? <laughs> well, I think that one of the things... I mean, to be cynical, I think they don't like women to have money. Yeah. I really don't. I think that there is, I know it's a, it sounds like harsh, but I think that when, you know, so many of the policies and the laws are designed to keep us poor and then criminalise us for all the ways that we try to survive, yeah, you kind of are left with thinking, well, they don't want us to have money. They don't, because they know that money means independence. They know that if we have money in our own hands, we can refuse all kinds of demands, including yeah. sexual demands on us. You know, we can leave the guy if he's an asshole. We can leave him if he's violent we can leave him if he's boring and I think that there's a, a sense behind a lot of it that they don't want women to have money and I think there's also a strong connection with those other low-paid jobs because if they make sex work very very hard we no longer have the alternative to those kind of strike low-paid zero-hour mm. jobs and mm. there's definitely a connection there you know every time the McStrikers win something you feel like oh well less women are gonna have to go into sex work and every time we win something as mm. sex workers you feel like oh that's gonna strengthen their hand to demand more in those kind of jobs God, I find this absolutely fascinating yeah. how political is it so would um when labor are in charge did they have a different take no your face is saying something <laughs> Isn't that tragic? You would really hurt. I mean, the face is saying, fuck them all. Well, John McDonnell, I have to say, give him He's his credit. Shadow Chancellor John McDonnell has been our good friend for many, many years and good supporter. He comes at it, you know, absolutely right. This is a struggle of workers to improve their working conditions and they, de they deserve support as workers, like any other sector of workers, very good on him. And he's very focused on the safety. That's great. But unfortunately, some of our main opposition to decriminalisation has come from Labour women MPs who call themselves feminists, who mm. are pressing for the criminalisation of clients in the name of gender equality. And there's two massive problems with that. One is, is that they're cracking down on the sex industry without telling us how, what else we're supposed to be doing yeah, to yeah. survive. They have no they have no suggestions or proposals yeah. as to how single mothers are going to make do who've been cut off universal credit. That's one thing. Or any women. Or yeah. any women. And the other thing is, is that what they mean in practice is increasing police powers against a relatively vulnerable sector of women. We are criminalised and we're in a very difficult position to be able to complain about violence and abuse and exploitation because most women don't want to be public. You know, the stigma is so severe. 
and they're talking about giving the police even more powers. The police already... I mean, which police force do they think they're talking about? We're already facing bullying and racist threats and harassment yeah. by the police on the street and in premises. And it's those police that they're talking about giving more powers to raid and arrest and prosecute. Take everything away from them. Yes. And is it, uh, uh, so is it those Labour MPs that you're targeting really? Because you were is. saying earlier yes. it's, it's a campaign called Make All Women Safe. Yeah. And uh, so it's something more targeted towards people who are feminists. Yes. Because I'm, I'm a I would describe myself as a feminist, but I'm I'm also a sex worker, and I think the two can very should very yes. much go hand in hand. So, be, so when you're talking to other feminists um, about all women, uh, make all women safe, is that what you're talking? Yes, it is. I mean, first of all, there is a kind of a a new generation of feminists who do not have that kind of hostile, judgmental attitude towards sex workers. We have to say that. I mean, I noticed it a lot when Slutwalk kind of came on the scene. What Slutwalk? Slutwalk was um, a big movement about five years ago where some policemen in Canada said, you know, if women didn't want to be raped, they shouldn't dress like sluts. And loads, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of women around the world kind of came out and did slut walks, you know, did marches basically for safety. And it was a really big outpouring of uh, women speaking about the rape and other sexual abuse that they'd suffered. And crucially, a lot of them spoke about how the police, how they'd been let down by the police and the courts and the authorities. So it was a very big movement. And that was the first time I really noticed that there was a big feminist movement that was inclusive of sex workers because up until that point, Reclaim the Night and many of those other feminist initiatives had specifically uh, discriminated against and excluded sex workers. They, there used to be a view, I'm not sure it's as prevalent now, that sex workers were somehow responsible for sexism or for violence or for men treating women badly that somehow i i, I can't There's explain a it egg i know i can't explain it very with very coherently because it never made any sense to it was, me it was, it my, they, I, I always heard like oh it's the manifestation of the patriarchy well that would make sense and it's like it's not the manifestation of the, the manifestation of the patriarchy is the fucking patriarchy yeah. it's, it's men you yeah. know so, so we have less money than men no matter what sector we're yeah. in you yeah. know we always have less money than men that's yeah. if you want to tackle some, something about the patriarchy, deal with that. You yeah. know what I mean? So, but I think that things have changed. And like we noticed among students and younger women who call themselves feminist, they don't have that same kind of moralism and they don't have that same kind of, you know, I mean, they just see sex workers as, I mean, you know, it's like another, women another have sex job. for all kinds of reasons yeah. and I money think is the one younger of generation them. also just sees sex differently. Well, I we do. interview so many people, don't we? You know, um, polyamorous, pansexual. Yeah. And totally. Just, like, it's all fluid. And it's, it you is. Know, why not? I think that's really a big thing. But we are trying to target feminists, women who call themselves feminists, and women generally with our campaign, because we're trying to explain the basic, basic injustice and present it in a way that's very difficult for people to uh, object to and is is helping people kind of put aside their moralism and put aside what how they may feel about sex work and put aside all the things they say, oh, well, I could never do that or I wouldn't want my daughter to be doing it. All that, put it aside mm. and focus on this basic injustice, which is that if we work together, we're criminalised. If we could work together, it would be safer. It's not illegal to be a sex worker, but the laws actually make us criminals. And 
help us get rid of that kind of burden of criminalization. Yes, we, we're not promoting prostitution. We don't think it's a fantastic job. We're not glamorizing it. We would like to see the end of it. We'd like to see the end of it alongside the end of all kind of exploitative and abusive work. And if there was parity in other jobs, then yeah, maybe that would totally. So, yeah, pay, pay yeah. equity. Absolutely. That would make a big difference. I can't get over this. <laughs> I, I have been it. banging on about sex worker no, rights for a while now. A year, in <laughs> fact. I'm really glad that's your I reaction, though, because I that's, well, that's really say. good. Yeah. I'm so overwhelmed by your beauty. <laughs> your words don't go in. Um, has anyone ever asked sex workers how sex workers feel this should all be or the legislation oh, should be? That is such a good question. God, that is such a big gripe we have because a lot of who we're up against are uh, women who really do think that they know better than us what's good for us. Mm. And they have absolutely no qualms about you know, speaking about the issue and putting forward proposals without any reference to current sex workers. They may say that they have women in their group that are former sex workers. And if those women have suffered abuse, you know, I'm sorry, what you suffered was abuse, rape or violence or whatever it was, but that is not what we're talking about. Mm. And you won't find current sex workers who are pressing for increased criminalization. You really won't because there's absolutely no logic, you know, no rationale in it. And we all know that it makes us it much, much more dangerous for us to work. And so if they did listen to sex workers, they would come up with something very different. And when we were fighting the most recent time, it was a few years back, a Labour woman a politician put forward an amendment to the Modern Slavery Act oh, to press yeah. for the criminalisation of clients. And thousands and thousands of sex workers used the anonymity of social media to lobby their MP and speak. You know, it was fantastic kind of mobilisation. And we defeated it. And that was really the first time I felt that, you know, current sex workers had a say in dealing with a piece of legislation. Because up until that time, I feel like they've really taken advantage of our illegal status. They know that we can't speak publicly. They know it's difficult for women to show their face and all the rest of it. Isn't that patriarchy in action? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everything is patriarchy in action. <laughs> so, but also when you think about people, if, if someone is being in an abuse, is in an abuse, abusive uh, relationship, uh, something like that, then surely them going to the police and saying, exactly. this person is making me a prostitute and prostitute me out, and otherwise I get thumped if I don't. I mean, what help is it if the police then turn around and go, right, we're going to shove you in prison then? Exactly. He's the one that gets let off, and you're yeah. the one that's left with the stigma, the criminalised, the... the, the, the thing on your record and every I'm, I'm gonna I'm no gonna sit that down is really true that is a really big reason why women can't uh you know why we do need to do something about the laws because mm -hmm. we can't come forward to report violence you know if you're working in a flat one of the other women in our group a migrant woman she was working in a flat with a couple of other women and five guys broke in with knives no. and robbed them you know absolutely terrifying she was the only one of the women that said okay we're going to report it to the police mm -hmm. she called the police the police ignored the violent attack and came back a couple of days later with a letter threatening her with prosecution for brothel no, keeping. No, no, no. And of course, the whole flat closed down. Where did they think women go when they closed down a flat? It's yeah. not like you kind of go, okay, well, I'll leave prostitution. You remember you have a trust yes. fund. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then you. 
you get that little bank account number going. <laughs> Come on, ladies. No, that isn't what happened. What happens? Um, what happened? What did? What did well, happen? she ended up working in another place. I mean, everybody scattered. She actually so again, was no. No, no she ended up working for somebody else who was a bit more of an. You know, they were just more horrible. Yeah. They took more of her money. Yeah. She worked harder. You know, they were horrible about the shifts. I mean, everything was just worse. You know, and that's what happens every single time they close down premises. Are these legislations? Um, like this across Europe, or, or, or are we worse here? Or and when will leaving Brexit take away any protection? Well, two things. One, uh, there's different systems around Europe. The big uh, leaving Brexit, sorry, leaving the EU. Yeah, there's a there, there's a model uh, legislation in Sweden that's used as the kind of example of legislation that the um, some people want here, which is crim- criminalization of clients. And the problem with that is is that it has pushed sex workers underground. It has made it harder for you to negotiate with clients. You can't ask a client for all their bank details and their real name and the rest of it because nobody wants to give that because they're worried about being criminalised. And that law has now been brought in in Northern Ireland, Ireland and in France. And all the uh, they've done quite big surveys, Mm. really big numbers of women that they've asked, sex workers, sorry, not just women, sex workers of all genders. And the attacks on sex workers have really increased as a result. And so we're a bit surrounded in some ways. We're absolutely determined they're not going to get away with criminalize, you know, increasing the criminalization of sex work here. But and we're using the evidence from those other, yeah. other countries to kind of make our case. On Brexit, the biggest problem is for migrant sex workers from the EU. We have a lot of uh, Romanian women in particular in our network, and they're really spearheading a whole initiative to show how sex work not being recognised as work has been an absolute disaster, has really undermined their right to stay after Brexit because you have you can't prove your work record, you know, mm. your, I mean, so often you're not, your name isn't on the tenancy. You just don't have the same kind of documentation. And the police have really been targeting EU migrants, telling them that sex work is not a legitimate form of activity, saying that they're <sighs> breaching their treaty rights, which is the criteria that you need to show to stay in the country, and often illegally deporting them. And so there's a big, that's a big battleground at the moment. Mm. And one of our pushes is to say to the trade unions, look, this has been the implication of you not recognising us as workers, which is that you've put us in a more vulnerable situation, more vulnerable to exploitation, because we can't call, you know, call on you for support as workers for our struggle to show that we have a right to be here after Brexit. So the trade unions don't help recognise you either? Some do. Some are lovely. Aslef, which is the train driver's workers, uh, uh, train driver train drivers have been fantastic. They passed a motion for decriminalisation and they've been brilliant, really pursuing it. The GMB and the CWU also. But the big ones like uh, Unison, I mean, Unite's a bit kind of on the fence, you know, and the Fire Brigades Union, which I take particular offence at, seeing as I train to be a firefighter, they're not supporting us as sex workers. I know. (gasps) Oh, my God. (laughs) So um, we've got a bit of work to do with the trade unions. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's insane. Insane, isn't it? Because it just seems like a fundamental 
what it is. It's a fundamental yeah. right, isn't it? It's to be protected in every way. Yeah. yeah. And it's just working. It's work. Yeah. Sex work is work, isn't it? Well, it, it actually, it kind of, in some ways, the Make All Women Safe campaign kind of tries, it, it, in some ways, it bypassed that whole discussion about, you know, whether sex work is work or not. Yeah. It's like, you don't even have to debate that with us. We don't really have time to debate it yeah. because we're yeah. too busy working. Yeah. You know, and uh, <laughs> what, what we're actually saying is, is that we're here now. This is how we're earning our living. And we'd like to be able to work together because it would be much safer. You know, it's like it tries to they have so they spend so much time on these ideological debates about you know whether it's moral or not and work or not and the rest of it whether it's prostitution is inherently violent or exploitative it's like okay let's just focus on the practicalities of the fact that we're prevented from working together yeah and then when you are and you have those rights and you know blah blah the other stuff can be tackled you might even choose to be in it you know um so this is all the international sex workers rights day is march 3rd that's right and that's the day that we're launching our Make All Women Safe uh, campaign. And we're doing it with this great creative agency called Joint, lovely people, and they've done a fantastic film. They got this uh, director, Charlotte Reagan, to do the film and brought together a really fantastic team for it and have been very, very helpful generally. And they have an actress, Lindsay Marshall, who people may know, who stars in the film. So it's very, we're very excited mm. about it and we really hope it kind of, you know... So what can people do with the the Make All Women's Okay, the biggest thing and the most important thing is to sign the petition. I know that petitions do not necessarily bring on revolutions, but... (laughs) In this instance, signing the petition is a, it has a, a lot of uses because the government commissioned research into the nature and extent of the sex industry, and that research is due to be published soon. And we want, we have between now and the summer, six months the petition rolls for, and we want the government, by the time the government comes to consider that research and think, oh, well, okay, which direction does this point us towards? What are we thinking in terms of changing the law? We want hundreds of thousands of people to have signed in support of decriminalisation, to really kind of set the terrain and be the context in which the government then comes to look at the law. And one of the things I love about your website, which, by the way, is makeallwomensafe.org, which is where you can find links to the petition, uh, is that you've got all those questions that people would ask, which is what is decriminalisation? What is the difference between decriminalisation and legalisation? Is sex work the same as sex trafficking? You've answered them all. So if anyone else does have any more questions or anything, then go to the website and start signing the petition. And I guess there's a hashtag as well. There is, hashtag makeallwomensafe. If everyone can tweet that on March the 3rd. Lovely. Yeah. How brilliant. Honestly, it's... I need to lie down. I know. But on my own. (laughs) I need a gin. I need a gin. Just on my own. Don't don't you try. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Fun. Thank you. Thank you. That was eye-opening. Even for me... What did you learn about it? What, what was new to you? It was the thing about how um, the laws are being now used to take away women's property and uh, and the, things like their savings and their houses. Their jewellery. Like and their jewellery. The, the ring their mother left them on yeah. her deathbed. What, I don't understand what the, the aim or the gain is. Yeah, yeah, there just, they just isn't. But I thought that was so interesting what Nikki was saying about how uh, it's taking away women's power, isn't mm. it? Like something mm. that um, I heard sort of 
earlier on was uh, someone said, well, you know you can always make money. And it's like, well, yeah, that's true, actually. A woman knows that she can always make money and therefore she'll always have a bit more power. And I think... Except I think maybe has... not now. Yeah. Do, yeah. You think, do you think this will change? Do I you hope th- so. Yeah. I think... I, I think We've got still got a long way to go, but hopefully it's things like this, things like grassroots campaigns like this are hopefully things that people will take. And Nikki was so passionate about it and you do and and so um logical about it. Yeah. You know, it it makes no sense. I wonder if there's gonna be any political people there trying to defend of course there won't be, but defending the their stance on it, because I just think that would be quite the conversation yeah. um, good luck to them that's yeah. March 3rd isn't it I'm BB Lynch and I'm Miranda Kane Good Sex Bad Sex was produced by Sam Bonham for metro.co.uk and you can get in touch with us on Twitter for a start that's at good sex bad sex triple X at the end because Sam likes to think that he's fucking I don't know is that still going on it is it is he's, he looks like he, he tries to seem like he's from Fast and Furious that's all <laughs> And also, if you've got um, any sexy question or query or anything you want to talk to us about, uh, please do get in touch. Info at sexpod.co.uk. And we will see you next week. 